0: Let's get to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, (laughs) on the BetQL Network.
1: Embiid, a fake, a spin, another fake, the buckets, and the foul, Joel with a chance at 50 here tonight.
0: Embiid,
1: coast to coast for 70.
0: 70? Carl Anthony Towns 62. And welcome in to a Tuesday edition of BetQL Daily, live coast to coast on the BetQL network. And of course, inside your Odyssey app, it's free. Download it today, A U D, A C Y, and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube, plus on all your socials at BetQL Daily. Alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth, I'm Chris Mack. Welcome in. You heard from Joel Embiid's 70-point game. You heard from Carl Anthony Towns' 62-point game. And you heard KD's thoughts on the matter, which involved a very large bleep. I have a feeling there may be a lot more bleeps in the Twin Cities tonight, given that, or tonight, this morning, given that last night, they got that 62 from Carl Anthony Towns and still lost somehow to the Hornets at home. <laughs> Ugh. I know, I know I had Charlotte to cover. I did not have Charlotte to go into Minneapolis, upset the T-Wolves, and upset the T-Wolves on a night where Cat goes off for 62. Joe, all of this happens on, maybe coincidentally, maybe you believe in the cosmic tumblers aligning, the 18th anniversary of Kobe's 81.
2: Yeah. Uh, KD thought he was going to be in the team photo, his biggest NBA stories on Monday after a 23-point comeback, a game winner, 43 points. No, nobody's talking about KD. Nobody cares about your comeback against the Bulls because that's what they always seem to do. Last night was wild. And when you have nights like that, one of the fun things is, as the night progresses and everybody starts looking up the different stats. Okay, he's the only guy to ever do this. Him and MJ are the only guys to ever do that. Like that number that was thrown out 65 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists. Embiid and MJ. That's the list. Embiid last night and uh and Jordan and Brent Brown was in there was was in the in the house for that and Embiid was talking about that post game when like, whether or not it's reality, like he said, it meant a lot to him because he was there for the the rough, the lean years early on and to see what it's turned into. And, you know, both guys, Aaron, maybe as impressive as the final stat line, 37 minutes? Like, normally, yeah. we're, just, we're just talking about this, numbers like this. You've got to play every moment of that game, and that was not the case. And, and with Cat, he got almost all of it in the first three quarters. He just had nothing left in the last one.
1: Yeah. Uh, like 10 points. So for MB and I think the, the most impressive part is also like, this is coming from a big man. I mean, normally you'd be like, oh yeah, like Steph Curry hit a bunch of threes, something like that. But like from Embiid, it's crazy to think that he only hit like one three and he did sit a bunch of times. He got some rest, like everything was hitting and Embiid talked about how unselfish the players were. They knew he was hot and they just kept feeding him. And... At least the Sixers won the game. Like, if you're going to feed right, yeah. your star player like they were the cat, like, you got to win that game. The Hornets came into that game with only nine wins. The, come on, man. <laughs> like,
0: that's well, and, ridiculous. And like, <laughs> I'm sitting there watching that game and going – I mean, they're going nuts every time Towns scores, right? They're they're The whole bench is jumping up, waving towels, especially in the first half when he gets to 44 in the first half. Everybody's going nuts. And I'm like, bro, you, you're you in a fight with, with the Hornets. What yeah. what are you excited about? And that's part of what Chris Finch talked about after the game, the, the immaturity levels he mentioned after the game.
2: It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump, so. This is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. Now, obviously, we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand. But at some point, we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and uh, you know, that's just uh, like I said. There's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the the roster. We totally disrespected the game ourselves, um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So.
0: Chris, did, did you also see, I mean, did it turn into Carl trying to hunt like a, Absolutely. a, a big
2: number? And... Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, but for a while, I mean, it was going, um, but, you know, down the stretch, we, you got you know, kind of dried up for us, but um, yeah,
0: so. <laughs> that is, I mean, Finchie is hot there. If there is a show I'd like to think on the BetQL network that is qualified to comment on immaturity, I'd like to think <laughs> it's BetQL Daily. I like to think we're in our wheelhouse here, Aaron, uh, but Finchie is hot, and he's right. What 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 Cat have, like 9 or 10 in the third quarter, another 8 or 9 in the fourth quarter after the 44-point first half? That's clearly what the goal was in the second half, not, you know, beating the Hornets on your home court. I mean, not giving them their 10th win of the season, by God.
1: Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I mean, I get it. It is immature. It kind of reminded me of Jameis Winston and also not listening to Dennis Allen. Like, we're seeing players just go a little rogue and do what they want. I know it's awful, but I kind of think it's funny.
2: It's, uh, he had 58 through three. So, like, he had four. It it was a one-point game, and he was sitting with three minutes left. So, He gave everything he had to getting as many points as he could in the first three quarters, and he didn't have anything for his team at the end. I think Finch is dead on. Now, my question is, it was a close game.
1: This And team camaraderie, you could look at it that way. This was a meaningless game. And you have some players who were like, let's let Cat get his. Instead of, you have players, stars on the same team are like, oh man, now it's my turn to go off. You know, it's like, they just kept feeding him. They probably, remember when Cat and Embiid, they got into an altercation on the court a few years ago. The players probably caught wind that Embiid was also approaching 70 at some point and were trying yeah. to get. Them to tie him. and so yeah. I don't have a huge problem with it. I Finch is doing the right thing. You let this go, your team is gonna not respect you for having any kind of authority. He has yeah. to say something with that L,
2: and he also yeah. understands that's a half game lead over two teams in the West. Like that game could come back to haunt them. They could, they could easily, you know, it wouldn't take that much for them to fall to the floor where the Clippers are right now. Like I think that's his overall point too. Like yeah. you can't yeah. let go. You let go of the rope for a week, like that. That could be a massive change in in our our mm-hmm. hopes for a championship. Where we go from the one. Uh, now now we're starting with a four or five matchup. Like that's way different than a team that just snuck into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's a good call, too. We will talk plenty of hoops today here on BetQL Daily. Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports at the top of the third hour to talk college hoops. Huge game in the Big 12 tonight between two new members of the conference, Houston and BYU. Von Dalzell of NBC Sports will join us in the middle of the second hour to talk a little bit of everything, including NFL, where I guess we got two different news items we can touch on if we want, Guys, the bigger one to me is the one that involves the game that's happening this Sunday night. It's Debo being 50-50, according to some sources, for Sunday night's NFC Championship game. But Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, no fracture in his shoulder. Um, it, this is one of those ones where we'll probably look at the injury reports all week, Joe, and go, okay, well, yeah, Debo's not going to work at all this week. They're going to rest him all week, and, and we're going to have to wait until Sunday at about mm, – Five thirty Eastern two thirty Pacific thereabouts when they have to report actives to see if we're actually going to get them or not.
2: Yeah. Let, let's zoom to Friday afternoon, right after our show wraps for the week. And he's going to be mm-hmm. questionable. I'll tell you this right now. Like we all know he's going to be listed as questionable and we're going to know nothing until 90 minutes before the game. For the most part, unless you get one of those overnight reports from a Schefter or a rap report the night before, Oh, he's going to try and work right before the game and, and we'll see how he looks there. Um, Yeah, I look at it and I know I'm parsing things, but I don't look at it as a positive nugget that came out because after the game, it was we expect him to play. There were murmurs coming out of the locker room that, yeah, this thing's lingering, but look, NFC Championship, he's going to be out there. And now 50-50, like to me, that's actually trending in the wrong direction, Eric.
1: I took it the other way that maybe this is a little bit of gamesmanship and that he is playing and they've known all Mm. along and that maybe they're trying to make it seem a little bit worse. They're going to be patient and very cautious, make us think like he's not going to play. Who knows? Honestly, does anyone really know for sure? And even if (laughs) he's not uh,
2: healthy, he's probably going to get pushed out there, right? Just as some sort of a decoy. Yeah, what I they do know is a,
1: and you don't want to feel like that was part of the reason why like if he could have been yeah. out there.
0: Right. We're not touching any Debo props early in the week. I'll tell you that much. Uh probably no. not even before probably not at all period. Um unless something changes in the reporting on his status for Sunday night. Another big story in the NFL world yesterday. The Titans don't let Brian Callahan, get out of the building. This was not, oh, no. I just, sorry. I, I'm feeling personally harmed by this. Cause I went off on my Bobby Slowick rant yesterday, but like Brian Callahan, that's, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not going to sit here on a, on a, and talk about how Mike Vrabel is, you know, one of the best co- Mike Vrabel has his flaws, but first you fire Vrabel and yeah. then you go in this direction. This does not compute. For me, Aaron, this is, I just don't understand what the, what what the, is this the big move to help (laughs) develop your quarterback?
1: It doesn't move the needle for me. Brian Callahan is not a coach any of us had really been talking about. spent the last five seasons as the Bengals OC. Now he's going to be in charge of figuring out what they have with Will Levis. I don't think this is an upgrade over Vrabel. And we've talked about Bobo owners in the NFL and maybe this is just another terrible decision.
2: Yeah. Um, I, when I saw the list of names they were talking to, I mentioned yesterday, like, I don't see where an upgrade is. I don't know exactly what the plan is. I guess the plan was defensive minded guy out, offensive minded guy in Chris, you just asked, is he going to develop your quarterback? My question is, who's the quarterback? are you shirts, Levis? Are you going to continue to roll with Levis? I do know that it looks like Tannehill's out the door. Derrick Henry's Mm -hmm. probably out the door. And you're going to build around Levis and a 40-year-old D-hop? He's not 40, but, like, what do you have here? Um, Look, I had the same reaction. I was like, really? Okay. I was expecting an underwhelming hire, and holy crap, we got one in Brian Callahan, (laughs) Bill Callahan's son. But (laughs) – I did. See, I'm like, I know nothing about this guy. So I, I started looking at some of the coverage from the Bengals perspective and people that were high on yeah. him. What they say is he's a big culture guy. He's big with the changes. Um, Offensively, when Zach Taylor was getting all the credit, it was really Callahan bringing in some of the LSU Burrow stuff that worked with the Bengals and with Jamar chase. Um, and what he did is like, he looks at the roster and be like, okay, these are our strengths. This is what we're going to do. And, like, when Taylor was getting a lot of credit, like, kind of behind the scenes, the word was it was actually this guy.
0: But to that point, maybe the credit goes to Joe Burrow for being, you know, Great. Joe frickin' Burrow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll give him right. credit maybe a little bit for helping Jake Browning at, at points this year. It's Beck UL Daily presented by Bet MGM, alongside Joe and Aaron, Chris Mackin again today. Coming up next, updated Super Bowl MVP numbers. And if you believe in the Lions, there's a monster number on one of their players that might make sense for you. That coming up next on BetQL Daily. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.